You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. Well, turn in your Bibles this morning, if you would, to the book of Matthew, and put a finger in Matthew chapter 6, and then put another finger in Matthew chapter 18, as we are going to be continuing our series, Did Jesus Really Say That? Um, As you're flipping there this morning, how many parents are in here who have had to deal with children this week who are struggling with the emotional and psychological trauma of going from spring break back to school. (laughs) Gnashing and wailing of teeth in my house. It's like somebody died. Their dreams died. They got to go back to school. So I thought this morning what we'll do is this. How about as a show of solidarity, a show of empathy for our kids, we're going to take a test right here, okay? That was like silence, complete silence, the same way you felt back in school, right? So listen, here's what's how, this is how we're going to do it. I want you, you are going to grade the person next to you. So you, we're not going to make you bust out a number two pencil. All you got to do is audibly say it, pay attention to the person next to you, see if they're answering, you grade them. We all good? We all good? Okay, so this class is actually a class that I took back in college in American studies. And in the syllabus, what it said is an exploration of the cinematic reflection of shifting cultural norms and societal expectations in the 20th century. Which means you watch movies. (laughs) That's what it meant. And so the movies that we had to watch were all kind of talking about how the movie reflected the shifting of culture at that time. And they wanted us to be able to see from day one how impactful movies are in our life and how much of an impression it makes in our life. So here's the test. All you got to do is fill in the blank with the last word. Okay, I'm going to say a line from a movie. You give me the last word of the line. All right, we good? We're going to start in the 1990s and we're going to start off easy. This is Forrest Gump. All right. Mama always said life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to. There you go. 1980s. Um, We're going to talk about Top Gun here. Who are 80s? Okay. I got the need, the need for. All right. How's the person next to you doing? Uh, Okay. All right. 70s. Let's see if they can go. 70s. The best movie of all time. The Godfather. I'm going to make him an offer. He can't. Okay, that was easy. 1960s, Cool Hand Luke. What we have here is a failure to? This is too easy for you guys. Let's, let's, here we go. I'm going to find something hard. 1940, no, 1950s, I'm sorry. A Streetcar Named Desire. Maybe you didn't watch the movie, but maybe you know the line. It says, I have always depended on the kindness of? It's getting quieter now. <laughs> The further we move from Top Gun, the more subdued it's getting. 1940s, Casablanca. Of all the gin joints and all the towns and all the world she walks into. (laughs) Okay. Last one. Last one. 1930s. And they say this is the most memorable line in all of cinematic history. Okay. Ready for this? Frankly, my dear, I don't. Can't say that in church. What's the matter with you? Serious. Lord, I pray for the spirit of cursing to cease and desist. So, so do you see how impactful movies are in our lives, right? We can all quote one from every decade all the way back to the 1930s. 
And, and, and what the class was teaching us was that as you look at these movies, you see a reflection of a shifting culture in American, in American society. So today, maybe movies are, they're still popular, but they're not as popular as like some of these viral videos millennials and, and my kids' generation are into. Like, and, and they make an impact as well. How many of you guys had kids who said, ain't nobody got time for? Say, yeah, uh-huh. So there, there's these sayings that they have, and it reflects society, and we remember them. The quotes reflect society. Let me say it again. The quotes are reflecting society. Now, the most quoted person in all of history didn't come from a movie, didn't come from YouTube, didn't come from a nap. He, he, he came from Bethlehem. And his name is Jesus. And yet what is so different about Jesus is the quotes of Jesus did not reflect the society's norms of that day. It didn't reflect the culture of that day. In fact, Jesus' words were completely countercultural. The words that Jesus had that were so countercultural then are still countercultural today. Because our culture tells us to act a certain way, to think a certain way, to behave a certain way, to make our decisions based on certain things. And some of the things that Jesus says flies in the face of that culture. In fact, you know what it does? It leaves us asking the question, did Jesus really say that? Did he really say what this says he said? Because it's so different than society. It's so different than what I've been trained to believe. And I think today we're going to find that we're going to talk about an area that it's a different, it's a different way of thinking. It's so countercultural. And we're going to talk about the area of forgiveness. And what Jesus said about forgiveness. Because in today's society, forgiveness isn't something that's given. Forgiveness is something that an individual has to earn. If you wound me, you've got to earn my forgiveness. And Jesus would say, guess what? Not at all. That's not the way the kingdom operates. Forgiveness is given regardless if the person deserves it or not. Here's what I know. Here's what you know. We live in a broken world with broken people. And we know this, that wounded people wound people. And so this morning, I don't even have to ask the question. I already know it. There are individuals sitting in here this morning who are dealing with this issue of forgiveness because you've been wounded. You have been hurt. It, it, it would be virtually impossible for somebody to raise their hand this morning based upon us living in a broken world with broken people who would raise their hand this morning and say, um, I'm not wounded. I've never been wounded. All is good. Because we've all been wounded. So the question isn't, have you been wounded? The question is, are you walking in forgiveness? We learned last week that sometimes you've got to get through the tough stuff to get to the great stuff. You know what a great life is? A great life is a life of freedom. A great life is a life of freedom. It is for freedom that he has set you free. He has declared that I have set the captives free. And yet we can live in bondage when we don't walk in forgiveness. Understand this. Christianity is a faith of forgiveness. Christianity, the entire concept, the entire thought process behind it, the entire reality of the word of God is that it's all about forgiveness because you've been forgiven. You've been forgiven. 
And now we need to live a life of forgiveness. And I didn't say it'd be easy. Jesus never, never was saying that forgiveness is going to be an easy thing for you. But nonetheless, he called us to walk in it. Because it wasn't just about the forgiveness because he has a heart for the person who wounded you. But let me tell you something, he has a heart for you too. And if you don't forgive, your best can never be realized. When you are living in unforgiveness, it's like you're literally shackling yourself. You're in bondage. It's like handcuffing yourself. And when I'm handcuffed to unforgiveness because of the power of unforgiveness, it can move me in directions I never wanted to go. Because forgiveness can be so strong. If I agree to bind myself to it, forgiveness can drag me in the direction of bitterness. It's so strong, it can drag me in the direction I don't want to go of not just mistrusting the person who wounded me, but mistrusting everybody else in my life. How many of you know that unforgiveness can taint every relationship that you have? Because all of a sudden we start to build up walls over our hearts. We begin to guard ourselves, even from people that never wounded us. But because we've been wounded in the past, we live in the bondage today. That's how strong unforgiveness can be. Unforgiveness can, can move me to addiction as I try to numb out my pain. I know so many individuals who are caught in the trap of addiction and they think it's the addiction that's really got them, but the root cause of it is an unforgiving heart because they've been wounded in their past and they're trying to run from it and they're not allowing the Holy Spirit to bring a key to unlock the chains. I'm talking to somebody today. There's somebody in here who still needs to hear this. Listen to me. Here's my, here's my prayer. Here's my hope. Is that as we talk about some of this tough stuff, stuff that makes you scratch your head and say, did Jesus really say that? My prayer is this. That you would seek to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit today. That as we discuss this, that he might reveal to you a hurt, a person, an instance in which you are so hurt and, and, and you're still dealing with unforgiveness towards them. And my prayer to you today is that you would have freedom. Freedom. I love the way that, um, that Brian Zahn says it. He says that the refusal to forgive is a toxic memory that endlessly pulls the painful past into the present. The toxic memory of the past poisons the present and contaminates the future. How true is that? Unforgiveness, it poisons the present. It contaminates the future. And here's the great news. Here's the reality. God has such a great future for you. He has designed and purposed and planned greatness for your future. What a shame it would be. What a shame it would be to allow unforgiveness to rob us of the fullness of those plans. And so Matthew chapter 6, go ahead and, and if you haven't gotten there yet, check, check out Matthew chapter 6. But before we, we start to look at that verse, what I want us to, to remember is another really tweetable quote that Jesus had. Very tweetable. How many of you remember the Lord's Prayer? Yeah? Okay, Can you, let's go ahead and let's recite. I'm going to let you guys do it. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Yeah, yeah. Thy kingdom come, thy will be there you go. Just high five that person next to you. Say, you're awesome. You all did it. Yes. 
<laughs> okay, here, here's, here's what's... I didn't catch this until this week. I mean, I've been reading this for a long time, and I don't know why it is. I didn't catch it until this week. In the Lord's Prayer, he's talking about some really power important important things. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven coming to earth. Powerful, important. He talks about looking towards God for our provision, our daily provision. Important stuff, isn't that? He talks about not being led into temptation. How many of you would say that, that that's a pretty important subject? But he also talks about forgiveness. And how interesting is it at the end of the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer, what's the very first thing that Jesus says, verse 14, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. The one thing he keys in on in the entire Lord's Prayer, the one thing that he circles back to make sure that he hammers again is the issue of forgiveness. I would say Jesus takes it pretty seriously. I would say that that if he's going to circle back around and hit on a topic that he just covered in the Lord's Prayer and that topic is forgiveness, I better pay attention. It better be something that I, that I, that I hear, that I, that I learn, that, that I adopt into my life, no matter how hard it is, the words that he said. And what he said there is pretty um, shocking. What he said there isn't a warm, fuzzy feeling. He, was, he, he pulled no punches. What he said, if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. If that doesn't sober you this morning, I don't know what will. Forgiveness is not optional. Tell the person next to you, forgiveness is not optional. Why? Because God has a heart for you and he's got a plan for you. And in unforgiveness, this is what will happen. Unforgiveness, it's going to feed bitterness. Unforgiveness will wreck relationships. Unforgiveness will hinder prayer. Think about that. Unforgiveness will hinder prayer and forfeit God's mercy. Powerful things, sobering things for us to understand. And every offense against you, no matter how small or how big, the reality is you have a decision to make. You have a decision to make. Nobody can make this decision for you. Nobody can force this decision upon you. Hear my heart. Please hear my heart. In no way, shape, or form am I minimizing the wound. In no way, shape, or form am I downplaying the hurt that you experienced. What I'm hoping to do is to see you move from hurt to wholeness. To move from hurt to healing. To move from bondage to freedom we got to address the hurts in our life. we got to address the wounds. They're real. And forgiveness is the first step to the healing process in which the Holy Spirit wants to take you through to allow that wound to heal. You can't get to wholeness without forgiveness. You can't get to health without forgiveness. Hear me, people. You can never be healed without forgiveness because it's at the core of forgiveness where you find the presence of Jesus. And where Jesus is, there's hope, there's healing, there's destiny. 
Matthew chapter 18. Let's go ahead and go over and check out Matthew chapter 18 with our remaining time. Matthew chapter 18 <laughs> starts off with Peter. I love me some Peter. There's, some, there's something about Peter that uh, he reminds me so much of myself. Uh, Peter has foot and mouth disease. Anybody else got foot and mouth disease here? You can't raise your husband's hand for him. That's not, you don't do that. This is, you were swearing earlier, now you're raising his hand. It's like out of control. Foot and mouth disease is something that I, I totally, I, I, I can, and, and Peter is having a foot and mouth disease um, moment with Jesus before we start reading. I want to kind of set it up. Um, the, Peter's going to go up and talk to Jesus about forgiveness. And, and, and Peter, he's feeling pretty, uh, pretty full of himself at this moment. So in, in Jewish culture, you forgave three times. That, that, was the, that was the rabbinical teaching, the, the t- teaching of the spiritual leaders. You forgave three times. Um, and, and in fact, there's an individual, a rabbi. Um, his name is Rabbi Josie ben Jehuda, And he says this, if a man co- commits an offense, you forgive him. If a man co- commits a second offense, you forgive. If a man commits a third offense, you forgive. If a man commits a fourth offense, you do not forgive. And so here's the culture of, of forgiveness. That's what they had learned. So, so Peter's hanging out with Jesus, right? And, and Peter's feeling pretty good. He's like, I'm the man. Watch this. Stop telling the disciples, what should I do here? <laughs> Walks over and he goes, Jesus, you know what? Should I forgive my neighbor seven times? So I'll take your three forgiving. I'll double that and add one. What's up? Right? He's like so full of himself right here. I'll forgive seven times. You know what's funny too? In Jewish culture, you know what the number seven represented? Perfection. Right? So in a way, Peter is saying, I'll I'll forgive perfectly. I'm going to be the man. And Jesus reminds Peter and he reminds me today that the best of my works are filthy rags compared to him. Where, where I think I have a forgiving heart, it pales in comparison to who Jesus is. Because Jesus' replied to Peter was, I'll tell you what, not seven times, 70 times seven. And Peter's got to be like, huh? Huh? Because at that moment, Peter's feeling so good. Like, like I've really got this, 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 this Christianity thing down. Right? I'm, I'm doing a real good job being godly. And Jesus says, your perfection pales in comparison to my heart. And God would have us become more and more like him. So Jesus turns around and starts talking to people about a parable, a story. And he talks about this story, and you can read it, but I'm going to kind of give you just a Reader's Digest version of it until we get to the end. There's this servant from a king, okay? And he owed the king some, some money, some coinage, some big coinage. My kids would say they owed him cabbage. I don't even know how money became cabbage. But that's what my kids would say. And so he had like millions of dollars, lots and lots of gold that he owed, he owed the king. And he couldn't pay it. And so the, he comes before the king and, he, and, he, and he's trembling. He's scared. He's freaked out. And, and, and the king he talks to him and, the, and he says to the king, listen, I can't pay it. Have mercy on me. And the king forgives him of all of his debt. Right then and there, forgiven. How many of you wish the IRS was like that this morning? Just go ahead and say Amen. And so, and so this guy, the servant who just gets forgiven, he leaves. And as he's walking along the road, here comes this other guy that owes him some money. And we're talking pennies, 
We're talking pennies. And so he's got the audacity. He walks up to the guy and says, you owe me my money. Give me my money. And, and, and Jesus said he began to choke the guy. I mean, he began to, he's choking this guy and he's threatening to throw him into prison and his family. And, and, and some people are watching this all unfold and they go, this is crazy. He was just forgiven of so much. And now look at him, what, how he's acting. And so they go and they talk to the king and they tell the king what is going on. And I want you to hear how the king responses, responds. Verse 32, then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in anger... His master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. Verse 35. Listen, this is going to sober you. This will sober you. And this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Wow. Wow. That's powerful. You know what he doesn't say? Catch this. He didn't say, unless you forgive your, bro- your, your brother or sister with your lips. Be- I point that out because you know what? I think sometimes we can pay lip service to forgiveness. Jesus isn't looking for lip service. He's looking for a heart transplant. He wants to take our hearts of stone and replace it with his heart. That I would be able to walk into such freedom that I wouldn't just give lip service and say, I forgive the person who hurt me, but from my heart, I would love them. Come on, man, that's tough. Come on. That's tough. You're dealing with it. I know, I, I know you're struggling inside right now because the wound you have was deep. And what Jesus is saying... I'm not, it doesn't matter the depth of the wound. It matters the depth of my grace and the grace I want you to distribute and live in and exude and give to others. How do we do that? How do we do that? I I think we do this. I think we do this. Number one, write this down, is that we remember the mercy and grace of God that you have received. Remember, hey, listen to me, listen to me real quick. Remember where you came from. Remember where you came from. Don't you ever forget where you came from. I, um, I, I get so blown away. <laughs> the creator of the universe, okay? Omniscient, om- omnipotent, just all-powerful, he forgets. Isn't that great? He says that I will remember your sins no more and I'll remove them as far as the east is from the west. He forgets. He chooses to forget. And I love that. But you know what? I don't want to forget. Let me tell you why. I don't want to forget, not because I want to beat myself up over the past. Uh Uh-uh. I don't want that. I don't want to forget because I can always remember and reflect on the amazing, crazy, radical grace that God has for me. I mean, if God can love a guy like me who did all the stuff that he did, that's mind-blowing. Because I don't know about your life. I know mine, and I did some stupid stuff. And Jesus would say, I 
forgive you. And when I, when I look at all the debt that I had towards him, how do I not live a life of forgiveness myself? Can I tell you this? There is absolutely nothing you can do to me that I haven't done to God. There's absolutely no wound that someone has put onto me that I myself haven't put towards him in my sinful days. And so when I remember where I came from, I remember his grace. When I'm wounded by someone else, when a broken person in a broken world and a wounded person wounds me, I can remember that I was forgiven so much. How can I not forgive as well? Those who have been forgiven much, the Bible tells us, loves much. When he was talking about Martha, who was, who was pouring out perfume and weeping over him, he said that very thing. She's been forgiven, and because of her forgiveness, it's radically changed her life. She knows how to worship, and she knows how to live a life of forgiveness. God help us be that. God help us be that. Because if we can live a life of worship, and we can live a life of forgiveness, we will radically transform the places that we live in. We will radically transform our homes. We will radically transform our schools. We are going to radically transform East Lincoln. Because you don't get that every day. You don't see that every day. And yet it's what God's called us to be. How do we do this? Point number two, write this down. Is we got to choose to let it go. We got to choose to let it go. You got to choose it. You got to choose it. You got to choose to let it go. That doesn't mean you continue to be a doormat for somebody. Hear me. It doesn't mean that you, be, you become a, a doormat where someone wounds you over and over and over and you just take it like a punching bag. No. It's about the heart, though. Listen, I think that there's relationships that, that, that can be toxic relationships. And you can have a good heart and you can forgive them. But how many of you would agree with me that, more, that sometimes you've got to have a little bit of distance between you and that person? Because it becomes an abusive relationship. But it's about the heart. I can distance myself from somebody and have a hardened heart, or I can distance myself from somebody and still have a soft heart. It's all about the heart. The Bible tells us in Proverbs to guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And so what I got to remember is I got to choose to let it go. And number three, I got to remind myself that I let it go. How many of you would would agree with me this morning? Forgiveness is not a one-time action. I can forgive, and a minute later, I start replaying the wound in my mind, and I can feel my heart getting hardened again, and i got to remind myself it's something I let go, that it's already dealt with. How many of you played hot potato when you were a kid? Right? It it tossed it to you, and what would you do? Got rid of it. Quick, right? Hey, when when the enemy, sneaky little bugger he is, when the enemy tries to throw unforgiveness back into your lap, the longer you hold on to it, the more likely you're going to get burned. When the the enemy throws that at you, that that remembering, the reliving, the re-feeling of it all, how many know what I'm talking about? Reliving that moment of wound. Reliving that hurt, letting those emotions once again become alive in you. The moment that that happens, you have to choose. And I can tell you this, in my own strength, oftentimes I am so incapable of doing what I need to do. So you know what I got to do? Holy Spirit, do what I can do. Holy Spirit, do what I can do. 
Holy Spirit, make yourself real in this moment and make me like you. Isn't that our heart today? It's not to play church. It's to be the church. And to be the church, we got to allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in us that we are incapable of doing ourselves at times. I get it. This is hard. Freedom and achieving freedom, attaining freedom, and sometimes that's hard too. So let him do the work. I was stunned. Just to give you an example how God uses unforgiveness, or how God uses a forgiving heart. I was stunned a couple of weeks ago. Robert Godwin, 71-year-old man. He's just walking down the street. He's just walking down the street. And some guy, you probably heard the story. For no reason whatsoever, puts Facebook Live on and walks over and he shoots and he kills the man. Films the whole thing. <laughs> man, I'm, can I be honest? You know what my first reaction would be if someone shot my dad? I'll hunt you down. Don't lie, you'd feel probably the same way, right? So CNN starts interviewing this family. And this family says this. We don't want him killed, the murderer, Stephen Stevens. We don't want him killed. Yes, we want him to be brought to justice, but we harbor no ill will towards him. Our God has told us to be people of forgiveness, and so we forgive you. And I thought to myself, that's crazy. That's God. It can only be God when something's that crazy. And so, and so the family began to receive letters of encouragement and, 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 and began to post some of those encouraging words on Facebook. Look at, listen to this. Listen to the power of forgiveness and the response that it had in other people. Somebody wrote this to the family. I heard of your father's story last night, but didn't pay mind because I was intoxicated the whole weekend, yesterday included. And when I get up today, I started following the story. I'm in tears as I write this. <clears throat> it may not be wording my words correctly, but all I want to do is shout, praise Jesus. I want to scream his name. I'm craving to be in my father's presence again. Thank you and your family for not being scared and showing God. I viewed the video and only saw him speaking through you guys. The forgiveness of a family brought the prodigal home. Somebody once said, <laughs> preach Jesus, use your words if you have to. At the, at the, at the funeral, the daughter said, it's, it's not by mistake that we made it here today. God called this meeting. And God has gathered all of us here today because it's time for the world, first of all, to know who he is, to know that he is the true and the living God. People, when we walk in forgiveness, we proclaim the name of Jesus. When we live in forgiveness, you have no idea how powerfully you're preaching the gospel. So, so what are we left with today? We're left with a choice. We're left with a choice. Hurt people hurt people. 
And I know there's hurting people in here because you have been wounded. Oh, my heart for you is freedom. 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 Freedom to preach the gospel with your life. Freedom to live into the plans and purposes that he has for you. Freedom that you can walk out of here today being transformed and renewed. Would you close your eyes? I trust this morning that there are individuals who are wrestling. You are wrestling. These wounds could go back decades. They could be as fresh as yesterday. And it doesn't matter. The Lord is drawing that out of you right now. He's drawing it out. He's drawing it out. And if you've been struggling with forgiving somebody, you've been struggling with letting it go and not just giving lip service but truly forgiving that person from your heart first of all i get it i so get it but i also get this that when jesus says that he can deliver he can and he will it's a matter of you receiving it and then walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. So today, if you want to walk in freedom and you want to give something up that you have been holding for so long, Catherine, I just want you to raise your hand because I so want to pray for you individually. If you need the Spirit of God to release you from a wound, raise your hand right now. you see hearts. Lord, you see hearts. And Lord, I see freedom. God, I see freedom. For my friends that are raising their hand this morning that are wounded and hurt, God, they're crying out to you right now. They want to let it go. And in the name of Jesus, that's what they're doing right now. They're letting it go. In the name of Jesus, I want you to say that out loud. I'm letting it go. I'm letting it go. Just say it out loud right where you are. I'm letting it go. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would begin to do a healing in the hearts that are beyond them. Provide them with healing and power and strength to walk in forgiveness and in freedom. In the name of Jesus, we declare these things. It's in his, by his blood we declare health and healing and wholeness today. Father, we thank you for the forgiveness that you have lavished upon us. Let us be a reflection of that forgiveness. Let us walk out of here changed by who you are, changed by your mercy, changed by your grace. And if you believe that today and you agree with that today, would you say amen? For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.